Tweet. Roll Tide. War Eagle. Go Jags. Go Blazers. Go Trojans. Win is one. One Troy. We are South. Your team is our team. Here, inside the press box. What, almost a year-long conversation when we go to 16, what divisions will look like or what our schedule will look like. And those possibilities include no divisions. So it's it's on our list. We're not going to do it in a, in a knee-jerk way in reaction to today's decision. Uh, the divisions will work really well for us. Uh, but when we go to 16, that possibility is front and center for, for the SEC. Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey, appearing in an interview uh, yesterday prior to the uh, Sports Business Journal Awards last night. Talking about the divisions, that was going to be the big story. The, again, the NCAA Division I Football Council yesterday saying that dropping the requirements of a championship game, teams or pro conferences can do away with divisions if they choose to. The Pac-12 wasted no time in doing exactly that. Will the ACC and SEC follow? That was going to be our topic for Chris Gordy, who is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast, as well as Assistant Program Director of Houston Sports Talk 790, co-host of In the Trenches there. And again, Locked On SEC podcast, so he knows his Southeastern Conference stuff, uh, being an LSU alum. That was going to be the topic, Chris. And then Nick Saban goes and opens his mouth last night, and we got a whole new a whole new storyline today. First of all, welcome inside the press box. Great to have you with us from the Locked On Network, man. Shots fired from Nick Saban. I could not believe it, guys. That's, uh, you know, look, when it comes to Saban speaking publicly, we know in the past he likes to send messages to his team, to his players through the media. But rarely ever do we get Nick Saban, you know, sending a message to a fellow coach out there. And that's what we got last night with what uh, Nick Saban said. Now, look, understand the environment. I mean, that's a private uh, event that is – you know, he's talking to a lot of business owners in the Alabama area, and so those are donors. Those are people who spend their money with Alabama athletics. But I think I understand what he was trying to say, right? He was saying, look, at Alabama, we haven't really dived into this, the NIL as buying recruits, whereas a lot of other schools have. We've kind of been sitting here and still just crushing it, recruiting as we normally do. But, hey, if you want to get dirty, we'll get dirty. If you want us to play that game, we'll play that game too. So I get the message of what Nick Saban was saying. But, man, saying the line, you know, over at A&M, they bought every one of their recruits. I just thought that was a direct shot at Jimbo Fisher after, you know, remember on National Signing Day a few weeks back, we heard Jimbo Fisher get up there and say, uh, yeah, it's ludicrous that you guys, these reports are out there that we paid players. We didn't pay any players. We we sold them on the greatness of College Station and how great our, our team is and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, it, it's interesting, guys. Jimbo is scheduled to speak at a booster event. Uh, tomorrow night in San Antonio. Oh, boy. And you know he is going to respond to this uh, <laughs> after, you know, Nick Saban's making headlines this morning. But I just thought it was very, I don't want to say out of character, but it's we're just not used to Nick Saban doing things like this where he takes, you know, a public shot at, a, uh, at another coach. So, hey, Chris, it's J.D. down in Mobile. And, you know, we heard and we played some of it earlier, uh, the six-minute response, but I didn't get to see it. So I'm thinking, okay, it sounds accusatory or look at what they're doing. But it, it was in front of 60 or so, uh, I, I don't know how many were in there, uh, business owners who are, are donors, as you mentioned, perhaps. But is he in between those statements looking at them and winking like, hey, they have a thing called a collective. And is he also saying 
this is what you guys need to do when I leave the room is form a collective and let's get let's get this thing going. Yeah, I mean that's the message being sent. I mean that's that's Meek. what you know LSU has gotten on board. A and M was ahead of everybody. Let's let's oh, not yeah. get it twisted. That is a hungry fan base that is uh, has a lot of money. There's a lot of oil and gas people that are Aggie fans and. They're hungry, man. They have they were little brother for so many years in the Big 12, having to live in Texas's shadow. They finally get out of the shadow a decade ago, come over to the SEC. And, and you know, the first four, five, six years in, in, in the SEC, it was like, man, we're just happy to be here. We're just happy to be out of Texas's shadow. And we're in the big, bad SEC. And we're loving it here, guys. Kevin Sumlin going, you know, eight and four every year. And they're just loving it and having a good time. Well, somewhere in there, that fan base said, you know what? It's about damn time we win a championship, right? Like this has been, we've been spending <laughs> our money. We've been making Kyle Field improvements here and improvements all over the campus. And so that fan base is hungry. And so I get it. They've got a ton of money to spend. They all up the ante. I know Texags made a collective. All these groups in, at AM got together and said, let's raise some money. And, and at the end of the day, guys, I don't have a problem with the money's going to the players, right? Like this has kind of been talked about for years. Like, you know, uh, do, do the kids get a piece of the pie? No, it's all going to the uh, to the college football playoff and the athletic directors and the school presidents. And they're all taking the millions and putting in their bank accounts. And the kids kind of out there not getting anything. And so I understood where NIL was coming from. When you think back to the Tim Tebow's, the Johnny Manziel's, all these great players in the SEC that, you know, have played for so many years. And, that you know, the minute they put on a T-shirt, it's like, no, 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 you can't sell that. That's, uh, that's you know, uh against the rules uh tyron matthew when he was at lsu the honey badger he put out a t-shirts with a with a badger on it with the number seven on the back the ncaa came in and shut it down and said no you can't put the number seven on it you can't put your jersey number on the back of a t-shirt that's wrong so i understand where name image and likeness was coming from but as nick saban said he made a great point this is not name image and likeness name image and likeness is for you to profit off of your name image and likeness once you're at that school it's not made to hey, you're a four- or five-star recruit. I know you haven't done anything in college football yet, but here's a million dollars. Why don't you come play at our school, and maybe we'll create a name for you. Um, and I thought Saban made a great point, too, on the on the back end. What happens if that recruit doesn't play yeah. or doesn't pan out? That booster, whoever, the collective who paid for that player is going to be like, well, play our kid. Why is this kid not playing? This is the kid we invested money in. So it's going to have a lot of fallout, guys, but – I think all Saban was saying last night was, hey, these are the rules. These are the new rules we got to play by. The NCAA didn't get ahead of this and figure out, you know, hey, is, is NIL going to creep into recruiting? It absolutely is. And, um, yeah, and, and look at what Jimbo Fisher and A&M did this year. I mean, I, I heard behind the scenes there was a kid uh, from the state of Louisiana who grew up in, in Louisiana, wanted to play for LSU, and on National Signing Day he picked Texas A&M. And everybody and their brother was saying, yeah, this kid and his family, they were going to LSU. Well, then come to find out, A&M up their offer in the final hour. And so now he's going to play for Texas A&M. And so this is this is where we are now with recruiting. And until the NCAA or somebody steps in, this is the game that has to be played. And I get Nick Saban saying, hey, guys, we got to play by their rules now. And, Chris, that that's my question. If, if it's going to be fixed, who's going to fix it? I mean, we don't really have any, any belief that the NCAA, at least in its current status – can do anything to fix this do we well i think i think one small fix and it's not going to change the whole thing but i think what you say is kids cannot receive nil offers until they're fully enrolled in school i I think that's going to that's going to help a little bit now granted look you're going to go sit in a a recruit's living room and say look as soon as you get on campus we'll get you this money 
But a lot of these deals are being negotiated and talked about with, you know, high school kids, junior and seniors right now. So I think maybe you can kind of get ahead of that a little bit. But then I also don't want to fault the kids that, you know, look, Arch Manning is one of the most talked about recruits in the entire country. He's a kid that from day one should profit off of his name, image, and likeness. He's created a name. He's got, you know, he's got a, a, a big name. He's very popular. So that that's a kid that might be the exception to the rule. But again, the 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 root of this, the spirit of NIL, as I always say, what it was supposed to be was the Manzels, the Tebows, or or even, you know, maybe even not even that big. You know, I, I talk about the, the the Kentucky gymnastics team in, in Lexington. Uh, big fans there of, of the of the um, of the gymnastics team. I think the local grocery a year ago wanted to have the entire gymnastics team out to sign autographs for little kids and paid them each a hundred bucks a pop. That's fine. Like that should absolutely be a legal thing for you know local business to bring in. You know, it's not just about football; it's about the other sports too. Um, so I don't want to say like that. That's you know that's what NIL was intended to be as well. But I know this, NIL is not intended for booster groups, and we're calling them collectives, but let's be real, it's boosters. It's, it's you know, people who are fans of that school, whether they're uh, rich alumni or business owners or whatever, to be able to funnel their money in a way to uh, to go get, you know, recruits and, and that sort of thing. And again, it's, it's just not what the intent was supposed to be. You want to form a collective to pay your star player, like Bryce Young. If Alabama had a, a collective and wanted to raise money to pay Bryce Young to stay another year at Alabama, Absolutely. I guess that makes sense, right? The Heisman Trophy winner, profit off of his name, image, and likeness. But it was not intended to go get 17 and 18-year-old kids coming out of high school to say, hey, come to our school and we'll pay you $300,000. Uh, let's do this. Let's let's turn around and, and talk about a, a couple of the other features that came out yesterday from the NCAA uh, Division One Football Council. They changed the requirements on conference championship games, meaning uh, divisions are no longer required. You can take the top two teams if you want to do so. Uh, and immediately following that, Pac-12 makes the announcement they're dumping their championship game, or at least they're dumping their divisions, pardon me, not the championship game, way too much money to do that. But they're dumping divisions, and we expect the ACC and maybe even the SEC to follow? Would you think so? Well, I don't think the, I don't think the SEC is going to follow immediately. I think they're going to wait for the, you know, the full expansion with Texas and Oklahoma to come in, and then they're really going to have to figure this thing out. Um you know, I think, you know, it's been talked about out there that uh, the four team, four pods in the SEC, once Texas and Oklahoma get in, I think that makes the most sense in terms of, you know, scheduling. I think it's it, it makes it even tougher. I mean, guys, I, I went to uh, my wife went to Kentucky. We went up to Lexington for the LSU Kentucky game last year. And, you know, it, it was crazy to point out LSU hadn't been to Lexington since 2007. I mean, it, you literally have venues across this great conference that, you never get to go to. You got to wait a decade plus to get there, and now you're going to add two more teams to the conference. It's going to make it even tougher to to get to those, uh, you know, to to get to Athens, to get to you know places that maybe you're not used to going every year. So, um, yeah, I I think they're going to go to the four team four four uh, four pods in the SEC, and once you do that, I think the 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 thing that makes the most sense, right? Because you can't do you know, the top two teams of each pod, you're going to have to go the two best teams with the best record in the, in the conference. And so I think that's where the SEC will go, but I don't think, I don't think there's any reason to change right now, guys. I mean, the SEC East and the SEC West, I think it's a, it's a bit of great setup and we're always, we'll always have some great matchups in the SEC title game. And as we know, every year it's always got the, you know, bid to the college football playoff on the line. So I don't see the SEC changing just yet, but I also want to know, 
when are Texas and Oklahoma coming in here? I really thought this was going to be, you know, either by this year or next year, they were going to up it and say, all right, they're coming in. But now it looks like the Big 12 and the TV, um, you know, companies are, are holding them to the contract saying, no, you got to wait till 2025. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I think the SEC pumps the brakes. It, it, that, that championship in Atlanta means too much. Uh, there's so many dollars invested in it. And I think everybody loves the East versus West uh, setup. As long it is, as long as it's in its current format. But yeah, once you get to the 16 teams, you can't do that anymore, and and it's all on the table about how do we change this. You mentioned Texas and Oklahoma. Do you think it's 2025 before we actually see them in the SEC? Yeah, that's what I said. Like I, I honestly, when I heard this at SEC Media Days last summer, I really thought, okay, so we'll play this season and come 2022, we'll you know it'll it'll they'll they'll both be jumping in. And I, you know, I was told by somebody in the know that they thought that that was a real possibility. But again, all the legalese, the lawyers start getting involved, the Big 12 start stepping in, saying, "No, no, 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 we help, we've got you, you know, on a contract, Oklahoma and Texas." Uh, it's a, it makes sense, right? Big 12, the Big 12 doesn't want to lose their two biggest dogs, um, you know, that quickly because they have so much, you know, revenue attached to those schools. So. Yeah, this is uh, this looks like it's going to be a waited out thing. It looks like it, it, we may have to wait till 2025. I'd love to hear some news this summer that they've figured out a buyout, and you know this will be the last season of the SEC as we know it. And in 2023, uh, Texas and Oklahoma will come in, but uh, man, it, it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Well, I think the current uh, payout would be something like 47 million per school, and at this point, neither one has stepped up to say, "Yeah, we're ready to cut you a check for for nifty, nearly 50 million dollars to to move along." So. Yeah, we may be waiting. Hey, the other uh, topic we want to talk about, we're visiting again with Chris Gordy. He's of the Locked On SEC podcast and Houston Sports Talk 790. Uh, The scholarship counter limits removed for the next two seasons, meaning for the next two years, teams can sign over the 25 player per class number. They still can't exceed 85. This is a brand new, again, uh, limitation put in, in force the next two years, strictly because of the transfer portal. That this is a problem created by the transfer portal. Yes. Yeah, it, it absolutely is, and and I get why they did it. I mean, you look at Kansas, who's had some big, you know, roster issues these last couple of years. Look at look at LSU in the bowl game this year. I mean, it, I was at it, and it was it was pretty embarrassing playing Kansas State. LSU had forty, I think it was forty four scholarship players in that game. I mean, it was it was absolutely a joke because they couldn't manipulate their roster at all. Um, this is going to help that kind of situation, but I think it's also going to have some unintended negative consequences if all you're telling the teams is that, you know, they can have 85 scholarship players and it doesn't matter how you get there, man, you're going to start to see some of these schools kick kick walk-ons off the team because suddenly you have a three or a four-star out there who wants to come play for you. Uh, and the fact that you're not capping it at 25 for the recruiting classes now for these next two years, it is going to be the, you know, it's already the Wild Wild West with NIL. It's going to be the Wild Wild West here. So I'm really curious to see how this plays out. But, man, I think it's going to be – a it's going to mean some negative negative things for some kids, um, you know, who maybe aren't as talented, who are on some of these big time rosters, where you know the Alabamas, the Georgias, the you know Auburn, LSU, Floridas. I mean, I think they're going to start kicking some of the the lesser kids on their roster to the wayside and say we can get somebody better in here. But um, I, again, I get why they did it. It's just going to be unfortunate for some of those kids out there. Like I said, I think it's going to have some unintended consequences. Final couple of minutes with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Network. Chris, let our listeners know uh, what what they're missing if they're missing the uh, the uh, Locked On SEC podcast and how they can subscribe so they don't miss out on what you do. 
Yeah, uh, LockedOnSEC.com is the easiest way to get the uh, the audio format. Anywhere you get your podcast, you just search Locked on SEC. And for the past year, we've been on YouTube now. So we got a video version of the show. And, you know, basically the deal is, guys, you know, throughout the, the football season, we're a daily podcast and uh, talking all things SEC football every day. We try to keep it to about 30 minutes. So it's short. If you're on your commute, home, you know, heading to work or heading home, you can tune us in. And uh, get up to date on all the biggest news around the conference. Almost every episode, we do a segment called Around the Conference, where we literally hit on anything from the transfer portal to recruiting to just big news that's happening. And so we get you caught up to date. It's funny. I talk with some of my guys who do you know, Locked on Auburn, Zach Blackerby, and yeah, Locked, yeah. On, Locked on Gators and a couple of these other guys. They all tell me they listen to my podcast because they want to get caught up on what's going on around the SEC yeah. every day. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. and. We've had some great guests throughout the offseason, too. I've had uh, Miles Brennan on, the quarterback from LSU. I had TJ Finley, the Auburn quarterback, on a few weeks back. And it's been a lot of fun. So we're hoping to get some more players on here in the next couple of weeks. And then, of course, we'll have full blowout coverage from the week at uh, SEC Media Days, which will be here before we know it. There you go. LockedOnSEC.com. And wherever you find your favorite podcast, you'll find it as well. Just search for Locked on SEC with Chris Gordy. Final minute with you, Chris. So I got to ask, as an LSU alum, you okay with Brian Kelly down in Baton Rouge? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a home run hire. I think so many people discount Brian Kelly just because, they, you know, they look at him and say, oh, well, he never won the big game. Well, that's why he left. That's why he's coming to LSU. The last three coaches at LSU have all won national championships. So I think Brian Kelly sees that opportunity. He's getting recruits that he never dreamed of at, at Notre Dame. He had a certain academic standard you had to meet. Uh, he was getting four and five stars, but not these kind of four and five stars. So I think give him time. I think within three to four years, I think Brian Kelly's going to win a national championship at LSU. Now, can he sustain success? That's been the biggest problem. Coach O fell into a hole. Uh, Les Miles fell into a hole. You know, you can get there. You can win the glory. You can break through and win it. But can you sustain it? That's been the toughest part. But I think Brian Kelly's got a pretty good shot at doing that. Especially when you're coaching in the same division as some guy named Saban. That, 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 yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Can we get him to retire, guys? Can we escalate that, please? <laughs> Chris Gordy, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, man. Thanks so much. You are welcome inside the press box anytime, my friend. Anytime, guys. Want to talk to the guys? Hit them up at the contact page online at pressboxradio.com or find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. That's how you can earn access to the PressBox.